Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, I'm Sarah, and this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This is our listener stories and Reddit episode. I haven't got any listener stories today to share, but I've got one long story from Reddit that Wolf Fan Track has kindly let us share on the podcast. Um, I've left links to Wolf Fan Track's YouTube and Spotify in the podcast notes, should you want to take a look. They are an AI artist. Also, they have Spotify lists that cover mostly new indie music, but will eventually cover the last 50 years of alternative rock. So if that's something you're into, go and take a look. Right, let's get straight into the story. When I was young, I grew up on the outskirts of a small town in the Midwest, close to the Great Lakes. The town had a population of about 8,000 at the time and was established in 1833. We lived well outside of town, in an area that was mostly either the forest or farmland. There was a small trailer park fairly close on the other side of the railroad tracks, built on a raised mound so high you couldn't even see the trailer park from the second floor of our house. But to give you an idea how remote we were, The half-a-mile stretch in either direction only had three other houses, and only on one side of the road. After that, there was a a two-and-a-half stretch of pretty much nothing but trees or crops before you reached the town proper. At the time, I would have called the farmhouse we lived in a mansion, but I was very small. We lived there for about five years, 
moving in about the time I'd just entered kindergarten. In retrospect, and looking at it on Google Street View now, it was a fairly small farmhouse, probably built in the early 1900s. The property. While this isn't directly related to the events I'll later discuss, it occurs to me it might be relevant, so I'm going to include it. We own six acres of land, and even then I knew I was fortunate to have so much room to explore and play in. The property was much longer than it was wide. The house sat fairly close to the road, and the mass of the land had been cleared, I now assume to be used as farmland for crops. There was a ring of trees around the perimeter, and a well-worn walking path adjacent to the ring of trees. Outside of a very small grove of apple trees, directly next to the house, towards the front of the property, the rest of the land was an empty field full of tall weeds. While I spent most of my time playing in and exploring the closest half of the property, I would never go to the back acres alone. The stretch of trees to the north didn't bother me, nor did the patch of trees and thick forest to the northwest. The patch to the southwest, however, terrified me. I would never go anywhere near it alone, and even if I ventured that far with friends or adults, it made me extremely uncomfortable being near that forested corner. I occasionally still have nightmares about that patch. The woodpile. Closer to the house, right at the start of the path to the back acres, was a massive woodpile that I spent a good deal of my time playing in. It was easily five feet, if not six feet high, as tall, if not taller, than an adult, and I'm pretty sure larger than our house. It was composed of irregular-shaped planks that were made by cutting the slightly rounded edges off trees. I'm not a woodcutter, nor do I know the process, but it always hit me that that much timber was left behind. While the planks were too rounded and irregular in shape to be used for construction, it seemed like a lot of timber that could have been ground up to make particle board. I assume the woodpile was the byproduct of clearing the land for farmland. Again, not a woodcutter, but I will mention there were no tree trucks to be seen nor were any stumps left in the woodpile. They obviously must have been pulled up in the clearing process, but no idea what happened to them or why they were hauled off while the irregular planks were left to rot. I can only assume this mini-logging operation had happened a number of years before, probably decades. The planks were extremely old and weathered from the elements and very, very brittle. Even though many had sections as thick as a 2x4, they were prone to breaking under the weight of my small frame, and, if I put my mind to it, I was capable of breaking them in half with my 5-10 year old strength. I only bring all of this up to establish that the land was not being used for what it was intended to be. In fact, pulling it up on Google Maps, to this day those 6 acres are still not used for farming even though nearly all of the surrounding plots now are. The house. The house was completely square. On the bottom floor, half was divided between a dining room and a front room. The other half split between a master bedroom, with the remaining space divided between the kitchen and two flights of stairs, 
one leading down to an entryway, which included another flight of stairs down to the basement, and the other leading upstairs. I don't think it was remodelled. I think the upstairs was designed to basically be a livable attic. You went up half a flight of stairs to a small landing, then had to turn 180 degrees to another half a flight of stairs that led up to a long alcove. From the alcove, you had two doors on either side, one to a small bedroom and one to a slightly larger L-shaped bedroom. Both bedrooms were equipped with two insanely large walk-in closet storage areas. They sloped due to the roof, but they were large enough that my older brother used one as his bedroom, so he had enough space for couches in his bedroom proper to hang out with his friends. The slightly larger bedroom, that eventually became mine, was large enough to fit two double beds in comfortably, plus a large chest of drawers and plenty of floor space to play in. Closets are scary when you're a kid. Large ones even more so. Mine were large enough to fit every conceivable monster my mind could imagine in. More than enough room for Dracula, a wolfman, the boogeyman, and plenty of room for a Bigfoot or two. My parents weren't much for mollycoddling, and I was expected to go to bed by myself every night. There was a small window on the stairway landing that allowed some light from the yard's security light. But when you made that 180 turn, you were staring at a flight of stairs leading up to pitch darkness, where the next light switch could be found. Not too proud to admit that most nights, I made that ascent crying in fear. The household. I have a large family, but my siblings were all much older, and every year saw another one striking out on their own, and the number of us dwelling there getting consistently smaller. One might come back to visit or stay briefly when times were tough, but we went from six when we first moved in to eventually two to four. My father travelled for work, and my older teenage brother spent most of his time out running around, so by the time I was nine, most nights it was just me and my mum. Putting this as politely as I can, my closest brother was much older than me, a high school jock and kind of an idiot. Even for brothers, I can't say our relationship was good at that point. Most of our interactions went between him ignoring me to tormenting me for his own amusement. I tended to avoid him as much as possible because our time spent together was never enjoyable and usually ended with me crying and our mum screaming, Leave your brother alone. The encounter. Honestly, almost no idea when this happened. Couldn't tell you what season and only slightly comfortable in guessing it was probably about the time I was eight, maybe barely after I turned nine years old. The only thing I can say for certain is, my father was away on business at the time, and while I'd shared my bedroom with my older sister for the first few years, she'd moved out and I had the bedroom to myself. Old houses creak. They creak and moan as they settle. Most nights I'd lay in bed terrified, listening to these sounds, trying to convince myself it wasn't a monster coming to get me. Eventually a train would pass by, and the motion of it shaking the house would always put me to sleep. Weird, right? So I assume it was a night like any other, 
if I'd seen a scary movie or read a horror story. I'd walk up the stairs in fear and lay in bed listening to every small noise, wondering what it was until a train rocked me to sleep. Barring a nightmare, I almost never woke up in the middle of the night, usually sleeping until the sun came up or my mum woke me up, whichever came first. I didn't have an alarm clock and I have no memory of there ever being a clock in the room. Total stab in the dark, but sometime after midnight, I was awoken to a sound outside of my bedroom door in the little alcove. I'd have to say I was a fairly sound sleeper back then, because I don't ever remember being woken up by my brother coming home, or any other sound for that matter. But this time, I was woken up by a very slow, very long creak of the floorboards. The first immediate thought was it was the house settling, and I turned over to go back to sleep. But it didn't stop. No sound of footsteps, and each creak just took forever. I wasn't even scared at first, just curious, trying to figure it out. Way more noise than the house would make. But as if someone was out there, they were moving just insanely slow. No sound of footfall. If it was someone, they'd just about have to be barefooted or in socks. Just the slow sound of one floorboard groaning in protest of pressure, followed painfully slowly by another floorboard groaning in relief as pressure was removed. I sat up in bed just listening and arguing with myself. Something has to be there. There's no way anyone's there. It's just the house making noises. It was so slow it wasn't even scaring me. I was just listening to it intently. And it went on forever. Easily 20 or more minutes. Long enough that eventually I was convinced it sounded nothing like maybe my brother creeping home late and trying not to wake anyone up. Or even someone breaking in and trying to steal things in the dark without making a sound. It seemed very much like the sound of something pacing very slowly back and forth directly in front of my room. The noise would slowly, oh so slowly, move left for a while, then oh so slowly move back in the opposite direction like it had no destination in mind. Eventually I was convinced, okay, this absolutely is not my imagination. Someone has to be there and I suspected my brother was trying to scare me. I went to call his name and found my voice frozen in my throat. My mother was sleeping directly below me and could absolutely hear me if I screamed and if it was my brother pranking me, yelling would put it to an end. But I never felt such terror in my life at just the thought of yelling. At that age, yelling chases everything bad away and brings your mother to your rescue. But all I felt was pure dread at the thought of releasing a scream. Then I heard the sound of the doorknob moving and any doubt that I wasn't alone was completely erased. I dove under the covers and balled myself up. Just like the creaking, the sound at the door was painfully slow, like a three-year-old trying to open a door, unable to get a good grip. I could hear it turning slightly, then stopping. An attempt at a turning, then release, just for freaking ever. 
I had a mental image of my brother in a sheet trying to scare me. But even at that time, it just seemed so weird. Why is he doing it this way? I could see him spending a few minutes wandering in the alcove, moaning like a ghost at the top of his lungs until he was sure I was awake, then jumping on the bed to make me cry and laugh at me. But this style of dramatics seemed unnecessary and unlike him. After easily a dozen clumsy attempts, the doorknob was finally turned enough to open the door. Barely. You could hear the door barely moving away from the frame. Not nearly far enough for anything to fit through. Now came the sound of something pushing on the door without enough force to open it. The door would creak slightly, open a bit, then fall backwards to a near-closed position, over and over. Like everything up to this, it took for freaking ever, me shaking under the blanket the whole time. Even allowing for a child's perception of time, I can say with confidence that we were at easily the 30-minute mark at this point. Probably much, much longer. Minimum 30 minutes from the first time I heard the creaking of the floorboards outside my room to the time the door was finally pushed with enough force to finally swing completely open. And that's when the groaning started. Let me stress that this wasn't the high-pitched, ooh, stereotypical, look at me, pretending to be a ghost moaning. This was sporadic, elderly person trying to get out of bed groaning. When the door opened, I was expecting, or hoping, for the grand finale of my brother running around making ghost noises at the top of his lungs. What I got was a continuation of the slow creeping on floorboards towards my bed, now accompanied by a low groan. Like everything else so far, it was insanely stretched out and just painful waiting for what was going to happen next. By this point, I was completely bored into the fetal position, trying my best not even to cry or breathe, terrified to make even the slightest sound. Spoiler, this goes on for hours. I'm fully aware time moves slower for kids, but this would extend until just shy of dawn. Even if it started as late as three in the morning, during the summer when nights are shortest, and I'm pretty sure it didn't happen in summer. I don't remember feeling overheated under the blankets, we're still looking at two or three hours minimum. So the entity circles the bed in what felt like forever. Somewhere about an hour in, it starts touching me. I can feel a barely there brush that would eventually, oh so slowly, become a very light poke. Somewhere before dawn, it just stopped. While I allow for my eventually falling asleep, I can't imagine sleep taking me when I was so frozen with fear and quivering violently. It just stopped. The touching and poking came at a snail's pace, and when I went five minutes without being touched, it felt like it was just looming over me. I never heard the sound of leaving, no slow departure, no creaking of floorboards. It just stopped. I waited until the room was completely illuminated, not even feeling safe to come out from under the covers when I could tell the sun was breaking and scrambled downstairs to tell my mum what happened. I'm fairly certain it was a Sunday morning, didn't have to go out to school and wasn't worried about watching cartoons, and started babbling to my mum about seeing a ghost 
She was irritated. She didn't get a lot of days to sleep in and wasn't willing to give up her extra sleep for my imagination. She wasn't interested in hearing about it, so I caught a few hours of sleep in her bed. For years, I'd tell my friends about the night I saw a ghost, but as I got older, I realised it probably was just my older brother playing a trick on me. The reveal. My brother is still a bit of an ass, but that's just his way. When I reached adulthood, we'd get closer and form a much stronger bond. He's got his own way, but he tried to be a better big brother after I hit my teens than he ever did when I was a kid. But he still revels in the various pranks he pulled on me. He very frequently feels the need to remind me that at one point he held all the cards. If I playfully, or sometimes resentfully, bring up some of the crappier things he did, He'll gloat about it with a big grin, as if remembering better days. So one holiday, when I'd hit my thirties, I stayed late after the family dinner, and it was just the two of us drinking coffee and talking. He, as always, brought up something he did to me when I was young, tricking me into eating dog food when I was three, making me lick nine-volt batteries, tricking me into thinking on accident meant intentionally, so it was harder to snitch on him take your pick. It's a long list. And I realised that we'd never talked about it. So I threw out, dressing up as a ghost to scare the crap out of me. And he countered with, what? I figured this had to be the biggest jewel in this prankster crown. Without a doubt, the most elaborate and time-intensive trick he ever pulled off on me. I figured he'd laugh heartily and brag about how scared he got me. You know? He gave some details to jog his memory. I never did that. Considering he remembers everything he did to me when he was 8, 10, 12, etc. I can't imagine something this big slipping his mind. And like I said, it never seemed his style. He wasn't big on subtlety. Way more of the quick scare, make you cry and laugh in your face type, usually very low effort for his payouts. I don't think he forgot. I have no reason to believe he's lying, not admitting it's not his style at all. So what happened to me? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Such a great and scary story. I had one older sibling. Um, She was always the boss, she'd like to think anyway. Apparently she was always top set for maths and top set for English, so she was allowed to call the shots when we were at home alone without parents around. 
takes me back. <laughs> Thanks again so much, Wolf Fan Track, for letting us share your story. And we'll catch up with you again on Monday. Take care, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.